Good Thursday evening. <laughs> Good to be with you. It's Thursday already. We forgot beer and psalms we Wednesday. Beer and psalms yesterday. This we is what we happens we when Pastor Toby's. For that, but I think I might have a good beer and psalms. Hey, can I get a beer? Putting together at next, least can, next Thursday. I, get, okay. I don't need a beer right now. I'll I fall would, asleep. I would love a beer right now, actually. Campus preacher Keith is with us in. in the house, sitting in for Pastor Toby. Yes. Chuck Knox, I'm the water boy. It's you good know, to be with you. No offense to you if Pastor Toby was here, we wouldn't have missed beer and psalms <laughs> Wednesday. Probably, no, probably no offense, but I just want you to know. I didn't remind you. No, you didn't. Registration is going fast this year. Our national, yeah, it actually is national national conference is in Knoxville, Tennessee, October sixth through the eighth. Uh, and at this point, you should know the theme: lies, propaganda, storytelling, and the serrated edge. And it's funny when we set these themes up how they become more and more re- relevant as the year unfolds. Yeah, I know, it, right? It's, yeah, it's been crazy. Not yeah, to can... sidetrack too much. Uh, is there a football game that weekend in Knoxville? No, hey, there's hey, not. Guys, guys, no. Right. no, there's not. <laughs> that's no, right. no. Right. That's why hotel costs are down that week for everybody. So the conference is doing good, huh? Yeah, conference wow. Doing great. I, I've yeah. heard some people yeah. having a problem with their conference. I guess we got 99 problems, but a conference ain't one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm with that. I'm with that. Uh, let's just get to it. Go to fightlifefeast.com. Click on shop. Uh, and you'll be able to sign up for the conference there. Early registration discount ends uh, uh, June 30th. And and come. come Beer and Psalms, who does that at a conference? We do. We invite all. We love all the kids. We love all the kids making noises. We yeah. love shaking hands, kissing we babies. We'll have a jumpy kids. castle for the kids. In the, the contiguous room over, um, there'll be a bouncy castle, and there'll still be sound and audio for parents over there who have to Ooh. let their kids go shake it out. <laughs> For uh, for the conference, it's just an exciting time, and then we're gonna end the show in the conference with a Sabbath dinner on Saturday night with everybody there. Yep. Uh, Are we and, doing stand up this year? And comedian John Brandon yes! is, is going to be going to be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, John's fantastic. So I've heard John twice now live. Yeah, one at our conference, and then one we were doing a Liberty tour, and he was part of our one stop of our Liberty tour, and he just killed it. Does he just, live up? Here? Just killed. No, it. no, no. no. Okay. He's in Indiana, and he and he just killed it. So. For today, we are going to give the floor to Campus Preacher to give you Which a monologue. A take it. Take if, it. If I, if, I start, if I start running with it, we know, yeah. we'll see where we're getting up going. But Keith, what, what we, is a pastor? What is a pastor? Uh, Matt Walsh has blessed us with what is a woman. I've yet to watch the movie, but I've seen a handful of the outtakes and spent some time preaching on college campuses. So I see the confusion daily over what is a man and what is a woman. As what is a man, what is a woman gets deconstructed in the West, we have to realize that the next move is basically deconstruct the meaning of everything in the church, and the SBC is now facing that issue with what is a pastor. Mm. So about 20 years ago, 22 years ago, uh, the Baptist faith and message, they said, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. That was in 2000 they did that. Yeah, 20, yeah. That's so incredible. two decades ago, yeah. and it's it's amazing, the precipitous drop. And so Christianity Today kind of gave a little uh, update on what's going on there. It says, but the credentials committee concluded that it wasn't clear if the statement restricted women from any position doing, quote unquote, pastoral work or holding a pastoral title, or if it just applied to senior pastor, Chair Linda Cooper, interestingly enough, Linda Cooper, uh, told the 2022 convention. And then uh, one of the interesting things was uh, Rick Warren says this. He says, I could talk to you about what I believe about the gift of pastorate as opposed to the office of pastorate, but I'm not here to talk about that. And here's the rub. The word pastor comes from the Latin word, which means shepherd, and biblically in the church, 
This is a role limited to men. In 1 Corinthians 14, 33 through 35, the Apostle Paul says this, As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. Mm. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. So the question becomes, where does the law or the Torah teach this? I believe this goes back all the way to Genesis chapter uh, two. Oh, good. Adam, oh, good. Because I thought you were going to say something like in the New Testament. The Old Testament <laughs> is Old gone. Testament. We don't need that yeah, anymore. No, no, no. So Paul's, appeal, Paul's appealing to the Torah. So he says, as the law says. So it's very reasonable to ask, well, where does the law actually teach that? And we can discuss this a little bit more. But this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter two, where Paul, or Paul, where God instructs Adam, then Adam's role is to instruct Eve. Um, and this is this role ties into Adam in the priesthood. Um, we can get into that discussion a little bit more. Then it ties into men and women into the church today. So what is a pastor? A pastor is a morally qualified man that is a shepherd of the sheep. And we see this pattern in the garden. We see it with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Israel, down into the New Testament, and ultimately we'll see it in the consummation as well. That's the trajectory of the church, and that's what we need to maintain, but the SBC's headed in a different trajectory, I believe. And, and the reason why you're bringing this up is because, I mean, Rick Warren was just at the Southern Baptist Convention kind of defending his, sta- his stance and his because his church allows for women pastors. Yeah, and he's the one. Do we have a clip? Can we yeah. play the clip? Uh, I have most of you on my mailing list anyway, and I can write you and tell you what I believe about the gift of pastoring as opposite from the office of pastoring. But I'm not here to talk about that. Are we going to keep bickering over secondary issues? Are we going to keep the main thing the main thing? We need to finish the task, and that will make God smile. Thank you, everybody. I love you. There's a bunch of things there that need, kind of need to be digested. But yeah. the idea, even that he'd want to separate the, the gift of pastoring versus the office of a pastor. So that way, you know, if a woman's with another group of women and she's pastoring them, shepherding them, instructing them, it now is now she t- suddenly take on the role of a pastor. So one of the things they have to do in all this is basically deconstruct language. We were talking about this yeah, before yeah, the show, yeah. where they'll take something that's legit and good, like we were, I think, talking about triggers. So you take something like trigger warning, which is, you know, there are legit triggers that people experience, but then you end up smoothing that out into every conversation. Oh, well, that's a trigger, that's a trigger, that's a trigger. Right. So you take something like pastor, then you want to kind of spread it out. So, oh, well, that's pastoring, that's pastoring. So while they may not hold the office of a pastor, they're de facto pastoring. And so they kind of end up gutting language of meaning. But did they lay hands on the women up there? I mean, there's pictures of them laying hands on these women at his church. I- and what ordaining them, them or as dating, pastors? Yeah, I think I think they do, no, but, they, I, but they're not uh, teaching elders, so then they can just consider them as. A pastor why would they lay hands on? I don't know, but this is what I do know. I do know that this is a broken metaphysic. A woman can no more be a pastor than she can be a father or a husband. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, but and this yeah. is Paul's argument in Timothy. Yeah. Paul is making the argument that God put man in the garden. He made him first, and then the woman was made after that, and yeah. she was the one who was deceived. Right. So the same way that Adam was head of the garden and led the garden because he was a man. Mm-hmm. So it is with a pastor, right? Yeah. A pastor has a garden. He's supposed to nurture that garden and tend to that garden, and he's the head of that garden. And this is what it means for him to be a, a, a pastor. He has to be this kind of person. Husband of one wife is kind of the whole main point of what he is. And so when we, when we start thinking about the office of a pastor, we're always talking about a sexed role. Mm-hmm. We, we yeah, are, we, right. you, you cannot escape that. It's a sexed role. Yeah. Just like a mother is a sexed role. Roles, yeah, right? And, uh-huh. and I think that's where uh, you know the church has been seduced, where most of us 
we've almost detached who we are from our sex. You know, and so we've kind of bought yes. the strands of feminism. So feminism yeah. kind of comes to life in a world where we kind of come through this consciousness through our culture and right. tells you, oh, here's what a man is, here's right. what a woman is. So we re end up relativizing it. And now, well, if you know the idea of a man or a woman is socially constructed, then the office of a pastor. Whereas mm -hmm. Christians, we'd want to hold to you know the idea is basically an essentialist view of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. That there's there there is some sort of core aspect of yeah. when God made us male and female that we didn't arrive at a consciousness of what it means to be a man. You're made a man and structured a That's man right. and God made That's you that right. way. And, and, and so we have to learn to tease that yeah. out better than what we're currently doing. Yeah, now. and we also have to recognize in all this, all the incremental um, arguments that we gave up or all the incremental adjustments we make on God's word that eventually gets us into this corner. You know, so for you know, a long time in our last couple of decades, we've kind of been shy of what it means to be masculine. We're kind of shy of what it means to be truly feminine. Well, we don't, we don't know what, we don't kind of, know what that even means. We don't even know what it means. What is but a we, man? What is he for? But we've made incremental adjustments for a long time in all this. Because our metaphysic has changed that's, and we, that's on right. what a man is and it has implications and we're seeing it right now everywhere in our culture. So you look up right now and this is amazing. Just yesterday, the president signed an executive order advancing equality for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersex individuals okay it's never uh, good enough uh, it's never good enough so and and, and uh, we don't have i don't have a clue if you are intersexed you know what i mean <laughs> like so even something like that I, well I all of this I, is gnosticism yeah you right uh, uh lesbian gay bisexual transgender queer and intersex individuals what is what is that yeah you know you so but here's what was crazy about this so the implications of not knowing what a man is and knowing what he's for when you have that broken, now you can define man and woman however you want, and you start getting stuff and legislation like this. Now, the main purpose for this bill, and we're going to have to save some of this for the after show, because I think this is that, is that your thing, Dan? Gonna. Shame on you. <laughs> um, most, this is going after, I want to save some of this for the backstage, and okay. we'll do some of this okay. backstage, maybe That's with, um, we have Isaac Botkins from uh, T-Rex Arm. Where's my yeah. hat at? Had to get my hat in the other room. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to wear that when he comes over here. We're going to talk to him about some of the legislation that's been passed or trying to be passed uh, in Congress with- yeah, Second Amendment stuff. Second Amendment stuff, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, get that. Yeah. But Do you know where TX Arms comes from? No. Small arms. Some arms, yeah, yeah. yeah Big know. body, small arms. Yeah, 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 I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, they're doing small arm stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, the whole purpose for what Biden is, I, I got you. <laughs> Thank you. The whole Thank purpose you. for what Biden is doing is he's trying to bring in the Equality Act. He wants to put pressure for everybody to embrace the Equality Act. And so he's putting out his executive orders in order to be able to get people to bend that way. But this is what he says inside of this release. The federal government must take action to address the significant disparities that LGBTQI plus youth face to in foster care systems that misuse of state and local child care agencies to the target of to target those people and youth and families and mental health needs of the LGBTQ youth groups. What does that even mean? So, to be honest. so what he's trying to do is reallocate funds and to make it more accessible for homosexuals, LGBTQ folks to be able to adopt and other things like I don't even know. Do we have the budget for something like this? Well, what happens is when President signs an executive order, he takes what he's doing is he's telling a current agency or a current department to reallocate the current funds they have to spend over here now. So the, the, now they ask for more money. They don't ask for more money. I mean, I'm sure eventually, eventually that'll come. Well, that, it's that's a 
the, if the department and agency fulfills what the president's saying, then they're going to get more money. We, but they're talking about using current money different places. Again, That's what we'll, we'll do some of this backstage because this is yep. super important. Maybe on YouTube too. My administration. We? Well, well <laughs> that's a good point. My administration must safeguard LGBTQ plus youth from dangerous practices like so-called conversion therapy. And then they go on to define what conversion therapy is. Efforts to suppress or change an individual's sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. A discredited practice that research indicates can cause significant harm. Have they researched homosexuality and the harm that it causes? I mean, come on here. Including higher rates of suicide, uh, related thoughts, and behaviors by the LGBTQ plus youth. And part of, part of the genius that they're able to do, like, if, if you look at, like, some of the history of conversion therapy, and they're shocking homosexuals that was in the, the 50s, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And be like, oh, here's the horror and the yeah, dam and, right. and damage that you're doing. Right. Whereas us calling people to repentance and faith, you know, to, to end up, kind of goes back to spreading the role of pastor thin, conversion therapy, spreading this out to anything that deals with addressing them as an individual, calling them to change. Well, that's therefore now conversion therapy. Well, I mean, I'm even afraid right now, what are we, so if we don't know what a human is and what it's for, if you're a man, we don't know what you are and what you're for. If we don't know what a woman, what she is and what if she's for. If the SBC for, doesn't know what a pastor is. If the SBC doesn't know what a pastor is and what he's for, <laughs> yeah. then what kind of conversion are we actually offering at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what? I mean, uh, seriously, what are we? Converting what are we calling? From what to wear? Exactly. You know? That's exactly my point. And so, it is to wear that wrong. What you say? Is to wear? I'm converting you. Is that wrong? Why right, is it exactly. wrong? Exactly. You know? And even the thing that's fascinating, like if like this month because it's Pride Month, I've been looking at it's not Pride re- Month. Well, whatever, uh, Gay Month. I've been reading some queer <laughs> theory stuff. It's not gay. And uh, and and with the queer theory stuff, they say you come into the world and, and nothing is a natural desire. So that it becomes socially constructed. So it's actually an odd thing, internally incoherent, that we can't call people out of that because it's just socially constructed. So, so it's actually internally incoherent if you begin to look at what queer theories actually say. Oh, absolutely. Of course funny. it is. That's funny. That's good. All, so That's good. all his secular views is internally incoherent. <laughs> yeah, sorry starts with a lot. Yeah, yeah. More cross politics coming up next. T-Rex Isaac arms. Bob. I was going to say Isaac Botkins from T-Rex arms. Small arms. We'll talk to him. That's, that's what T-Rex is. Yeah. On cross politics. <laughs> Armored Republic exists to honor Christ the King by providing tools of liberty to free men. New York State just banned body armor. Armored Republic is suing the state of New York in federal court to resist their arrogant war against your God-given rights. Mass shootings are tragic acts of evil that are best resisted by armed citizens and brave watchmen ready to fight back. The main violent threat to human life is not individual criminals, it is tyranny. This is Armored Republic. Home, it's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. Everybody! (laughs) Oh Lord! (laughs) Oh Lord! There we go. Even the production crew's laughing yeah. at this one. You know I have to bring it in for doing that sandwich song. You know I bring it in. Welcome back to Cross Politic. 
This segment is brought to you by Accountable to You. I probably don't want this music playing. Uh, yeah, you might want to turn that off. For, 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 we, don't, we don't want to mix brands here for, for them. Using a smartphone or computer opens the door to a host of digital temptations in a world saturated, saturated with pornography and other harmful content. What's a Christian to do? We need to take a proactive approach, welcoming transparency into our digital media choices. And Accountable Amen. to You makes that easy. Their accountable software shares detailed activity reports from all your devices and your kids' devices, underlying kids' devices in real time, to the accountability partners that you choose. With accountability in place, your family can effectively guard against temptations online and live with purity and integrity. Learn more and try it for free at Accountable to You. That's the letter two, accountable to you, you.com forward slash FLF. Um, and put it on all your kids' advice. Actually, it's, a, it's been really cool for our family. I, I, I wasn't listening to you until you said free. But, um, <laughs> oh. I, just, I just thought it's a good deal if it's free. Accountable to you.com yeah. forward slash FLF. Yeah, Something free. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, free. Yeah, free, for sure. With us, our boy Isaac Botkin is a husband and father living in Centerville, Tennessee. He works at T-Rex Arms, a sixth commandment company ooh, that designs, manufactures, and supplies defense and offensive, defensive and offensive life-saving equipment to regular citizens. I love that. I love that, to regular citizens. Did you guys learn the Ten Commandments? Like, number six, don't get your kicks from killing one another. Did you guys learn that growing <laughs> no. up? That's how I learned the Ten no. Commandments, yeah. Oh, I, I could go through all of them with a little jingle. Okay. Number you, six, don't great. get your kicks from... Number seven, life is heaven. One, you're true to your mate. Number eight, okay, don't Okay, you guys say that for YouTube. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's okay. incredible. <laughs> Isaac, Isaac, welcome, sorry, man. Sorry, sorry, Isaac. Good to have you back on the show, man. Oh, it's good to talk to you guys. I've missed you, and... Uh, no, I, I'm not familiar with that version of the Ten Commandments song. <laughs> uh, my kids uh, are learning one that's from a catechism, so, so just a little bit more uh, toned down. Yeah. <laughs> Trad traditional. All right, Isaac, so you, the Uvalde shooting um, just happened a couple mm. weeks ago. 20 people died in that shooting, 18 kids, two teachers. Um, 19 what? is 21, actually. Oh, is it 21 now? Yeah. What changes to the law should be made to make sure the Uvalde shooting does not happen again? Well, a lot of times uh, a situation happens, a terrible situation happens. The instant, uh, the instantaneous response from government is uh, that there needs to be a law against it. Usually that's not the case. Usually, uh, especially in, in cases like this, there have already been a bunch of laws violated and broken for, for murder to have, have taken place. And uh, so extra laws don't really uh, serve as much of an impediment. But in this case, in school shootings, um, there are a bunch of laws that could be changed. I think we could start by um, getting rid of the Department of Education um, and a lot of the public school sort of presuppositions, uh, preventions on teachers carrying, preventions on parents being able to get into schools easily. Uh, stuff like that could change, and that would have changed the situation uh, in Uvalde a bit. Uh, considerably, I think. What what laws was that you said? You said usually a lot of laws are broken up to the point of the murder. What were some of the laws that were broken by the? He was a nineteen year old kid, twenty year old kid, nineteen, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. What were some of the laws that were broken by him to get to the school and murder those kids and teachers? Well, my understanding is he was uh, shooting at people on the road. Uh, he then crashed his car, fleeing from the police officers, and then the police officers chased him into the school. So. Uh, there's actually not a whole lot of information about uh, about the shooter in this case. 
so we don't know what uh, all the laws that existed, but he was obviously willing to commit murder. So he's willing to break a pretty significant law. Um, and the same thing is true of a lot of different shooters, like the guy up in Buffalo bought guns, modified them illegally, carried them illegally, loaded them illegally, did a whole bunch of illegal stuff with his guns uh, before he started murdering people, which is also illegal uh, in uh, in New York. So putting additional barriers uh, kind of sort of makes sense, but we already are starting with so many problematic presuppositions about what the role of government is that it's uh, it's That's not right. helpful to just add laws here, especially laws that are going to have zero effect on uh, perpetrators and, and really only affect law abiding citizens. Um, and one of the really troubling issues about the Uvalde shooting is law enforcement on the scene behaved so poorly and so sluggishly. Nothing about that particular incident makes me want to trust those authorities more with the protection of my children. Uh, every piece of information that I have read about um, that incident, and as more stuff comes out, it only verifies this. I want more defensive capability to protect my own children, and I have less trust uh, in, in law enforcement and the people who tell law enforcement what to do. You know, you talked about the getting rid of the Department of Education and getting rid of them. You know, we kind of laugh, but why do you think that would actually be something that would be a valid answer to the problem? Hmm. Well, oh, man, this this could be a super long conversation. No, so I want I the am, smoke, uh, man. Give it to me. <laughs> I am I am very pro homeschooling and uh, I'm, I'm pro homeschooling for a million reasons. Some of them are pragmatic because uh, we can see what's happening in our schools. Uh, but a lot of them are, are very principled and legal from, from just even our constitution. But ultimately, it's, it's a religious conversation. It is a question of what your standard is. Uh, and I believe that Deuteronomy 6 and other verses in the Bible make it clear that education of our children is a parent's responsibility. Now, there's ways that we can hand off that responsibility to people that we trust I say hand off. There's a way in which we can contain that responsibility, bear that ultimate responsibility for how our children are raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, handing them um, temporarily over to people that we know and that we trust. And the Department of Education is not about that. They're about handing over your children um, for hours at a time, for years at a time, with almost Oof. no accountability or connection whatsoever. And so, um, there's that, and then there's just the sheer incompetence and, and expense, uh, on a pragmatic sense, of, of how schools are, are, are set up and run. And uh, I think a lot of us actually got a pretty good idea of, of that during the, the pandemic when teachers' unions were lobbying to keep schools closed. And, and, um, and then you have a, an incident like this Ubaldi shooting where uh, one of the one of the things that is being reported is it's just really hard to get into the school to get to the shooter. And I actually think there's, that is probably the case because a lot of schools are manufactured uh, by the same companies that, that build prisons. They're incredibly <laughs> strong. They're incredibly sturdy. Um, they're all oh, the similarities to the prison system are, are inescapable once you start looking around. Uh, wow. But um, once, once you have a, a situation like that where, where the school shooter has sort of barricaded himself behind some of these things, it is really, really hard um, to deal with that situation. Now, I'm also not entirely sure that that is the situation that happened at Uvalde because, as you mentioned, it's been weeks now. We haven't seen a picture of the unbreachable door. We haven't seen a picture of the layout that explains why they, they took an entire hour to get in. Um, I, again, this particular situation that happened in Texas – 
really a uh, lot of questions, not very many answers, but everything about it just points to uh, a school that you don't want your kids to be in, a community where it appears that you can't trust the chief of police to, oh, to yeah. act uh, quickly, um, a situation in which you really want to have um, that defensive capability, that ability to take care of your children on many levels, you want that closer to home and you want that closer to you yourself. And it, that really is the parent's responsibility. Isaac, um, how does your company experience the um, uh, political cycles that we've been going through? And what I mean by that, you know, is because you're, you're basically a Second Amendment company, as you said in your bio. Uh, and, Sixth and, Commandment. Well, Second Amendment, Sixth Commandment company. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we small, do, yeah. Small arms. <laughs> and, We're uh, very... Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and so it seems to me that your company's uh, sales and flow is, is probably somewhat connected to some of the cycles of political agendas ar- around our country, if that makes sense. Very, very much so. Very much so, but not necessarily in the ways that uh, the media would think. So we had uh, two two shootings that were in the news uh, quite a bit. One was the the Buffalo, New York shooting, yep. and uh, that got a lot of, of a lot of press. But it didn't really change uh, sales across the industry. But the Uvalde shooting definitely changed sales of certain items. So we very quickly sold out of body armor. We sell rifle plates, um, and across the industry. People were seeing what had happened. Uh, their takeaway was not necessarily that the government was going to fix things. They were going out and buying body armor for their children, Good bulletproof night. backpacks, all sorts of things like this. Now, in the meantime, the folks up in New York were solving the problem. The legislature of New York and the governor uh, banned body armor. So right. civilians cannot possess body armor. That's part of their solution to the gun violence problem. Gun violence so deadly, gun bullets so deadly. Anything that stops gun bullets must be banned from civilians that don't have a, you know, a job working for the state of New York or anything Oof. like that. So we, we see in these instances, um, and not just our company, because we're, we're a relatively small company, but across the entire gun industry, we see that when there is an incident like this, there is a increased demand for body armor, for medical equipment, uh, and also for firearms and ammunition. And the media will sometimes say, well, that's just because they know that that stuff is going to be banned and a whole bunch of really weird, creepy militia guys are going out to stock up. That is not what uh, what we tend to notice. What we tend to notice is something like this happens. A whole lot of people look around and they're like, I want my kids wearing body armor. I want to have a gun. I want to be capable of dealing with some of these threats on my own. Clearly, this is my responsibility. I need some tools. Wow. Um, that, I think, drives sales far more um, than impending legislation. I mean, a great example of this is uh, in 2020 when there yeah. were a lot of peaceful protests, mostly peaceful protests. Going <laughs> yeah. on. There was no conversation about banning weapons uh, because the media was not talking about weapon use during those mostly peaceful protests and gun sales went through the roof. Yeah. Ammunition was hard to come by. Yeah. People were looking around yeah. and they're saying, yeah. this is on me. I want tools for this. And I actually know what the best tool is going to be for this. It's funny because I, it's fu- a lot of my friends who are leftists, all of them were like, I think I need to buy my first yeah. firearm. Because they realize, for the first time, I think, they realize there is no safe area for them. If they're going to have these riots in these communities that they thought, hey, it's pretty cool to move into a new urban neighborhood. They were like, hey, okay, I'll move in. And then when people started calling them gentrifiers, 
and started threatening their eating environments, they were like, wait oh. a second, I don't know how far this is going to go. So, hey, Isaac, really quick, could you give everybody your website? Because you're going to hang out with us on Backstage, oh, sure. and we want to talk a little Absolutely. bit more. I want to talk to you about how we need to have better stories as it relates to the Second That's Amendment. Right. That's and so right. I want to ask Absolutely. you some stuff about yeah. that. But give everybody your website where they can go check out your stuff okay. at. Yeah, check, check out, uh, we're T-Rex Arms. The website is T-R-E-X-A-R-M-S.com. Also look up uh, our podcast, because some of those stories that we're going to talk about later are on our podcast. And our YouTube channel has some instructional stuff on there too. So you can find us really easily in those places. Mm, and I'm going to play your favorite song. Keep your rifle by your side. <laughs> oh, man. So if you're not a Fight, Laugh, Feast Club member... What are you waiting for? You're missing all this wonderful backstage uh -huh. content, not including $100 off at the conference. That's going to be amazing. That Isaac is going to be there, right? Right? T-Rex Arms are going to be there? Probably. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Probably. They'll have their gear there. You'll want some of that. We'll baptize your baby there. How about that? We'll arrange for that. <laughs> In time, they'll get there. So if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight. Laugh. And feast. This is cross politic. Oh, good timing. This is. this is where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. When tyrants take over, what's the first thing they do? Disarm. It happened in Russia, China, Germany, and most recently, Afghanistan. Why? Because disarmed people are easier to control. And over the last century and a half, American tyrants have been carrying out a slow, methodical disarmament that no one is talking about state education. Tyrants know that education is warfare. Our rulers have a vested interest in making you totally harmless. They've got big plans and they don't want you getting in the way. Think about it. Would you rather fight an army decked out with high-powered rifles or a bunch of dinky water pistols? They know that if you can think critically, you're a threat. At New St. Andrews College, we want to graduate men and women who are dangerous. Dangerous to the world, dangerous to the principalities and powers, dangerous to spiritual wickedness in high places. Education can either arm you or disarm you. It can make you a threat or make you a useful idiot. <laughs> so, where you get that education counts. Click the link to apply to New St. Andrews College today.